This Prop Talk recording is a news and opinion product that is the property of Original Prop Blog LLC, all rights reserved. Original Prop Blog LLC is not responsible for any statements or opinions expressed by the guests of this program. Live on tape from the OPB studios in Northern California, it's Prop Talk. Brought to you by the Original Prop Blog, we're making analog connections across the world. Each podcast features one-on-one chats with special guests to discuss the hobby of collecting original movie props and costumes. The Original Prop Blog is the original source of news, information, and opinion about authentic popular culture artifacts and memorabilia from film and television. Now, let's join our host, Jason DeBorg. Just to give you a little quick synopsis of my website basically it's a website about collecting original movie props and costumes so that's kind of the focus but i was really going to just talk to you predominantly just about the book and and not really get you know ask you crazy details about movie props or anything like that so yeah you probably have the wrong person for that stuff yeah yeah and i mean for me as a collector your book is or both books are just incredible because it just I mean, we collect movie props because we want to know more about the movies. And I mean, you just go into so much detail. It's great. So anyway, I'll get started. Um, So welcome to Prop Talk. And I'm very excited today to have uh, Mr. J.W. Rensler as my guest. He's the executive editor at Lucasfilm Limited. And he's described by the company as their own kind of in-house Indiana Jones, having created um, some amazingly detailed and researched works and today he's here to talk to us about his latest book, The Making of the Empire Strikes Back. So welcome to uh, my podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here virtually. <laughs> Thanks. With making the two Star Wars books, um, both were published about 30 years after the original theatrical releases of the film. I know your your approach was kind of to use archival materials to kind of better capture the feelings and perspectives at the time. And I know that's interesting for readers because you actually, you know, we know how successful these movies are, but reading um, your book on Empire really shows the struggles and challenges, you know, that they they endured to make make this movie and i'm kind of curious how did you originally become interested in star wars interested in star wars well i mean i i went to a sneak preview when i was a kid uh you know just by accident i was lucky enough to to be invited to one and actually didn't want to go and saw the movie (laughs) like everybody i didn't want to go because well it's a long story and i didn't really want to go and and of course saw it and was blown away, and and so I I've always loved Star Wars, um, but I've always loved cinema in general, and always been fascinated by what you know how the films get made. I think the first book I read was the Jaws log uh-huh. about that. Before talked about it one film in particular. Before that, I read Famous Monsters, and I just loved all the behind the scenes things. Uh, I couldn't believe it when I first saw how they made King Kong. Right. So uh, it's always been a passion, I guess. And uh, and then I've always wanted to work in Lucasfilm because I'm from the North, from the Bay Area, and it just seemed like the obvious place to work. And then once I started working here, one thing led to another. Right. So your passion definitely shows through in your work um, in making these books because reading them, it's it, it's uh, 
it's kind of just a treasure trove of pictures, anecdotes, um, a lot of behind the scenes stories. Um, how did you, com- or how would you compare your writing of the making of Star Wars with the most um, recent making of Empire? Well, the making of Empire was was a little bit easier, but because uh, just in terms of the production of the book, because I laid out the book, the images myself uh-huh. design. Whereas with the making of Star Wars, I worked with a designer and a production person, and kind of had to tell them where everything went, and would have liked to have gotten more pictures in it. So it was a teeny bit frustrating. But in terms of the writing, it was very very similar. You know, I I read the scripts, start with the production material, try and build a kind of skeleton for how what the general event line was, spend what seems like several weeks, pretty much eight hours a day in the archive, but it's probably a little bit less than that. <laughs> but it's a cold place, so it seems like you're there for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and slowly just build it up, you know, layer by layer. I, you know, I, um, I, I have a sort of technique for the way I do the manuscript, and um, you know, just try and make it as entertaining as possible. And you also um, did the complete making of Indiana Jones. What were kind of some of the advantages and disadvantages of writing um, the Empire one, kind of thirty years after the fact, versus um, the Indiana Jones one, which the last segment um, focused on the the newest release, Indy Four. Um, do you feel like there's um, more advantages to actually being part of the process and seeing the the movie being made versus looking back at Empire where you weren't present, or um, you know, kind of what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, Indy was a hard book to do because I was writing three archival making of, and then one contemporary one, right. Um, but I did have help with Laurent Luzero, who was, he was on the set every day and he was doing the interviews. Um, so, and it wasn't as, as impossible, otherwise it really would have been impossible. Right. But it's always a little bit harder to write about movies as they're making them because the deadlines are a lot harder. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I had, you know, a couple of years to do making of. Star Wars and Empire, and for India, I had a year, partially because Spielberg worked so fast. Uh-huh. Um, so that was probably the hardest book I ever did. But, and also, not so much on that one, but I know that for a lot of making of um, that other people write, I know from stories that it's hard because when people are actually making the film, they're very um, concerned about their baby. And they want everything to be just right, and they're they're very aware of what the spin is and right. really have very um, specific ideas. Whereas doing Star Wars and Empire is great because, um, you know, as far as Lucasfilm is concerned, I only have to please one person <laughs> and that's George. Right. And I mean, other people look at it and approve it, but that's our primary client, so to speak. Right. George is very hands off in that, you know, he doesn't care if somebody really disagrees with him. As long as he has his viewpoint in there, then he's happy to present two viewpoints of the same um, material. And it's extremely... I don't know if there's that many you know, film moguls who are like that. Right. Who are, you know, have a, are very relaxed 
you know, and at the same time, you know, he's not like he's disinterested. He really, he does take an interest in it, but he's, as, as long as the material is presented in a kind of respectful way, then he's all for it. Right. And then I know from reading a magazine earlier in the year, I think it might have been Star Wars Insider, um, you had several candidates for the cover image for the Making of Empire book. Um, do you feel that the cover kind of best represents sort of the nature of the book, you know, showing like the lightsabers without the special effects, as well as kind of the central conflict of the film? And um, what was the runner-up? <laughs> well, the runner-up was a great kind of... Uh, um, Wally Wood style. I mean, not that it was drawn, but it, it really evoked those old EC weird fantasy things of Luke and the and the bog on the bog planet in the right. swamp. You know, with the famous picture of him pulling, you know, sort of with the gun halfway out of the hole. Right. And except that it was black and white. I think that they had probably two. It was using two cameras, and it's a great picture. And it had in the foreground, it had the camera they were using it, but it was very. It was very calm. Uh-huh. It was beautifully composed, but people were concerned that the camera actually looked like it was from, you know, the 1920s or something. <laughs> like and they would think, even though it was actually there, that we just stuck it there. Right. And then, and then also Random House really wanted to have something that was more action oriented. Right. And then I, so I, I proposed this one. So I thought, you know, Mark Hamill's intensity was impressive. And, uh, and it does, you know, and, it, and he, he's in the first one. I thought this was appropriate for the second book in the series. It was really Luke's story. Right. And, um, and there was some concern that we were showing lightsabers without the glow and everything. But I thought, well, that, you know, that obviously shows the making of part. Right, right. Yeah, and that, what you just described kind of touches on another question I had is, for me, Empire visually is much more of kind of a, quote, beautiful film in the way it's shot. And it's almost got dreamlike um, qualities, like from, you know, the smooth snow scenes on Hoth to kind of the softer appearance on Dagobah, and then especially um, the exteriors and interiors of Bespin. And then by contrast, A New Hope was more kind of a dirty Western look. And even like the Death Star scenes, everything was very angular and utilitarian. Um and then I think Jedi was kind of more on the realistic side too. And I was curious in your research, um, what do you think influenced the most that kind of look of Empire, which I think is very kind of distinct, you know, in comparison to the other two films? It's almost like painted art on the screen. Is that more from the vision of Kirshner or more of the theme of the movie? Um, I was just interested to know what your thoughts were on that. Well, that's a hard one. Because, I mean, there's so many people who contribute to the look of the film, uh-huh. you know, in key areas. Uh, I mean, on the first one, you know, you had John Barry, who has been described by several people I've spoken to as a genius. Right. And really, he really he doesn't get as much credit, probably, as he deserves, because a lot of those sets were actually designed from the ground up in England. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and you had... Gil Taylor doing the cinematography, but as people know, there were conflicts between him and George. Right. So I don't think George may have gotten the look that he wanted to get exactly. I and mean, certainly he's gone on record as saying that, you know, he wasn't completely satisfied with the first film, you know, which is surprising considering how well it did. Right. <laughs> he's gone on record many times about that. 
Hmm. And, that, and then they were going to, he was going to do, you know, a better job on Empire. And so for Empire, maybe they spend more time talking about the look. It's not something that came up in the, in the, all the uh, interviews that Alan Arnold did, so I'm not sure. Uh-huh. But I know that Kirshner worked very closely with Peter Suchitsky, and he was a great, you know, DP. Um, and uh, and Norm, you had Norman Reynolds as a production designer. And so, and then you also had Ralph Aquari doing more concept art than he actually had done, I think, for Star Wars. I don't know if numerically that's true, but I think he had his hand on, he had perhaps more of an influence on every single location. Right. And so maybe that had an impact. But to precisely say what it was, I don't know. I know that Kirshner worked a lot more slowly. Right. And so maybe they really spent, it's possible they spent more time, you know, on every single shot. You know, George likes to work more quickly. It's just a temperamental kind of thing. Right. Although personally, I, I prefer Star Wars as a film just because, it, you know, for lots of different reasons, but mostly because it has a beginning, middle, and end. And right. Ends on such an incredibly positive note. And it had so many classic moments in it. I mean, so did Empire. Empire is fantastic as well, but Star Wars for me has the itch. Yeah. I've always never really been able to make a decision because I love both of them, but for totally different reasons. So, um, yeah. you know, it's funny that you mentioned Kirshner taking his time because there's that... Um, part kind of in the middle of the book with the um, best bin freezing scene where you have that recorded dialogue transcripted, which I found <laughs> really, really entertaining. Um, and I just actually wanted just to thank you for including that. Cause that really shows just a little tiny bit of dialogue and then all the discussion, you know, with the director and the actors and everybody involved as far as how to actually shoot that scene. And there's actually a lot of pretty um, funny, funny bits in there too. Well, I think the credit for that really has to go to Alan Arnold, because it was in his original book. Uh-huh. Um, but I was able to go back to the original tapes, and we had them retranscribed, and so I was able to put even more into our book, because also there was sort of basically less censorship. Right. Um, but I don't want to imply that Kirshner was taking the time that he could have been going faster. I just meant, I meant the time to be careful. Yeah, just more style. And more, yeah, and... Um, but he was very aware that it was George, George was financing the movie and certainly wasn't dilly-dallying at any point. But he also wanted to make it, you know, he, he said to George, I want to make it better than Star Wars. And right. that was his goal. Um, but that particular scene, too, I don't know if it's representative of how, you know, I think the chaos for that scene was a little special. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of like a, a big central um, point of conflict in, in the movie. And I think there's a lot of, and it, really, in that movie, there's just so much um, subtext and everything that's going on too. That um, you know, there's just a lot more depth, I think, to to a scene like that. That they that they're trying to convey a lot of different things at once. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was there's a lot of um, information about Yoda, and for me, it, there's a, there's a recent documentary about the making of um, Jaws, and they talk about Bruce the shark and sort of how that could have. Um, really made the film unsuccessful if that just didn't work. And it seems like an empire is sort of the same situation with Yoda where you're kind of relying on the believability of a prop. Um, so 
I guess it said that they, they even considered using a trained monkey. <laughs> I think it was very, very briefly, but they, you know, they, they tried out everything. They, they also considered using the techniques they did in the Darby O'Gill and the little people. Right. Um, you know, with forced perspective and really complicated setup. So they can, I think they considered all the possibilities and luckily George had made friends with Jim Henson and that led to Yoda. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, I think Spielberg and, and George, they go out on limbs, you know, they're particularly, um, George, I mean, I, I'm, I'm working on another book right now and everybody who's worked with George over the years says, you know, we did this and it was successful. And the next time George said, well, now we're going to do this. Right. And everybody just screams, <laughs> no, no, we can't do it. And George says, I know you can do it and we're going to do it. And he just has this ability to inspire people, which is, I think, rare. I think Disney had that same ability and probably most successful directors do. I mean, they get the most out of their crews, but but George really pushes his his people. Yeah, and I mean, what really comes through in the book is just, I mean, film is a collaborative process, but I think the Star Wars films, even more so, just with the special effects and, you know, I mean, the amazing music, and there's just so much to it. Um, it's interesting reading it, because even if you've never seen The Empire Strikes Back and you read this book, it's just a fascinating kind of account of the making of this movie and, and the drama and you know, in that aspect of it as well. Um, so t- for me, it's just sort of interesting to think reading through all the different directions the movie could have taken, um, kind of reading um, just how complex it is and how many people are involved in, in the movie, in, in the making of the movie. Well, I mean, yeah, hopefully the book does, you know, get paid. I can't speak very well. <laughs> <laughs> Does uh does all those people honor you know with the book? It's, the book is both is really designed to honor the, the creative efforts of basically a few hundred people. Right. Yeah, and I mean I think you do that really well, especially in the back where you list all the cast members and all the people on the production, and then you've got what's interesting to me is that um, two page spread of the crew of ILM, and it's just there's just so many people. It's just amazing um, to think of all that talent kind of focused on, on making this film. And I mean, of course it shows in the, in the final um, version of the movie, but uh, it's pretty remarkable when you sit back and just think of all the people that were involved in, in the whole process. There, yeah. That's a, I love that spread. And, and Dennis Murren actually helped me. Um, he actually dug up a, uh, a who's who from back then, which really made it easy to identify everybody. Because um, we did first, we tried it without that and before going. Right. <laughs> but um, but in fact, it's a really small crew compared to how many people work on film. You know, giant blockbuster films today. Right. And in, in fact, I was talking to one of the draftsmen who worked in England, and I he said, I think we only had three draftsmen on Empire. And he said, considering the number of sets that went through our office, I mean, that was just it was just insane. Right. I don't know how we did it. Right. Um, and actually, the, the reason why there's a cast and crew thing is in the end, which I I would have liked to have done for Star Wars, is that George specifically said, you know, it's nice to have the cast and crew at the right. end. Right. So I think he wants, you know, he likes the idea of having everything in one place. And so this time we got it right. Right. Um, in the book, there's some 
really neat um, scans of some snow trooper costume designs that are multi-page kind of showing the layers of the costume and um, the different components and whatnot. Did you come across a lot of material like that or was that really just specific to that, that style of costume? To, that was specific to that. Usually they were just, you know, one, one drawing. Right. I mean, there might be several versions for somebody's costume, but that was the only one that I found that showed how to do it. And I wanted to include it because I know from going to these conventions that so many people dress up. Right. <laughs> make their own costumes. I thought, well, they're going to love this. <laughs> this is going to show them. And I'm hoping to see more snowtroopers now. <laughs> yeah. So when you were doing research for this book, was there a particular artifact or some document or something that you came across that most surprised you that someone had the foresight to preserve that at the time? Well, there were a few things. I, I was really happy to come across Irving Kirshner's uh, storyboards and notes. Uh-huh. I mean, it's amazing that they kept them, and they're literally just these very random pieces of paper from notebooks, just you know, hundreds of them, loose, you know, not connected, not bound or anything in these folders. So that was really fun. And then um, finding the uh, probe droid capsule, for lack of a better word, and the, the, sitting on a shelf, that was fun. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> And, and last but not least, which didn't get into the book, but which is in the video that we did to promote the book, uh-huh. they had recently opened a box when I went in to um, film some footage for the video, and they found you know the original Yoda puppet. Right. And that was amazing, because we have the animatronic head in the book, and there it was, sitting in, in, in the archives with the, then with the skin, which was badly deteriorated. Right. So that was... That was just incredible to see this lifeless thing, which is Yoda. Right. Very cool. So there's one photo I particularly like. It's um, Harrison Ford driving a snow vehicle with the Empire Strikes Back emblazoned across the top of the cab. And I was just wondering if that was some photo that had kind of been lost and refound or kind of what the story was with that. Well, the story with the photos is basically you have a company that, you know, Extremely busy, where everybody is really busy all the time. And only recently did Image Archives get around to organizing a lot of material. So I really benefited from that. You know, all the black and white photos were in binders that were basically in a box wow. for many years. And and a lot, there were lots of slides that weren't organized, and now the slides are organized. And, you know, it, it just goes on and on. Film archives are better organized now than they have been in the past. So I was able to look at behind-the-scenes stuff and the different versions of the film as, it, as they went through the rough cut. So it's just, I couldn't do the book without all these people who are working in the various archives who are, you know, are organizing this stuff for posterity and for exhibits and for whatever, you know, people need. It's, it's because of the structure here that these books are so good. Right. At least I hope they're good. Oh, they're great. And then um, one of the other photos I really liked is kind of the candid shot of the helmet, helmetless stormtroopers and Ugonauts sit around the set on Bespin. And I was wondering if you had, like, if there's one or two favorite photos that you came across that made it into the book. One of my favorites is the one where they're standing in front of the, whatever it is, the dining room door on Cloud City. Oh, yeah. Carrie Fisher just has this great expression on her face. <laughs> and also the one with with Mark Hamill 
to the double page spread where you're sitting there and it's L3 Studios and it's the Star Wars was filmed here. Uh huh. I, I really made sure to get that one in. Yeah. And 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 one of Har- lots of good ones with Harrison Ford, but in particular the one where he's sitting behind the X-wing. Oh yeah, yeah. And then um, you know people, you know people would give me photos too. Somebody's been here a long time, gave me a picture to scan of the. I think it was the first Thanksgiving dinner at Lucasfilm for the second. Oh, cool. So, and then you see on the over the fireplace the original artwork for the first Star Wars poster. I mean, there's, I it's that's one of the most fun parts of making these books is just organizing the photos and then laying them out. It's a lot of fun too. Yeah, and then in towards the back there's the. Uh empire poster concept art and you've got the gone with the wind poster and kind of showing how that um with han and leia was kind of borrowed from that famous famous image which i thought was pretty cool yeah and that and we found some you know marketing art um from in these drawers really you know huge some of it's huge like five feet high practically and uh i really liked the, the the tom young one that's so different from the final poster. Right. And then some of the stuff, I, we couldn't figure out exactly who did it, but there was some great <laughs> conceptual paintings done for the for the poster. Yeah. And then and then in one box, I found two, and it wasn't even in the art archives, it was in the production archives, with two sketches that Macquarie had done. And no, we don't know for what, but it looked like <laughs> for some kind of licensing book tie-in, which never happened, so... Just a, a lot of fun moments. Yeah. <laughs> of course, a lot of moments standing there for an hour going through people's telexes, you know, going, did so and so arrive at the airport? Well, I hope they did because I don't know where they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, which is not so interesting. Yeah. So, did you find it's, it, it was difficult to really work it down into a manageable sized book with all the material that, you know, you have access to? Uh, not really, no, because it, it just seemed it just happened to fit perfectly. Uh, Random House was told me I've got you've got 372 pages this time, which is 50 more than I had while working on the main part of making a Star Wars last time, and uh, they were fine with me laying it out. And I and um, there's really I don't think there's anything that I really wanted to get in that we didn't get in. I was even able to work in the po- the, the first image. You know, to uh, ILM's first shot on page three. Uh-huh. I was so happy that I got that in because I did want to get that in the previous book and it just didn't work out. And um, so I, was, I thought, well, it's the summer of Star Wars. Now I can start off with this great, you know, picture that <laughs> um, George provided. So very it, cool. It really worked out well. Well, th- thank you so much for your time. And I, I just want—I know I've—I talked to a couple friends of mine who are big Star Wars fans before uh, talking to you, and, and they just wanted me to express thanks for making this great book because fans of the movie just love it, and it's—it's uh, it's just so comprehensive and and entertaining. So, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. I'm glad people are enjoying it. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our program, Prop Talk. For the latest news about the world of original television and movie memorabilia, please visit us online at www.originalpropblog.com.
Um, I have a guy here. Um, you can't even say Moosebusters. 